Welcome to Coffee and Conversations with Lakeisha. We're glad you've joined us today. Get ready for some kingdom conversation. Now here's your host, Lakeisha M. Johnson. get some marriages healed today and for those of you who are single we're gonna prepare you for marriage today how about that thank you Lord we redeeming the time today Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you, thank you. God, me. 
Thank you, 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 Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord God. We bless you, we praise you, we magnify you, we glorify you, Lord God. Thank you for this day. I just thank you for grace. I thank you for love. I thank you for mercy. I thank you for being so intentional with us. I thank you, Father God, for being a repairer of the breach. I thank you, Father God, for your glory. Lord God, show us your glory in our homes today, Lord God, so that we can carry the glory properly, Father God. I thank you. We are anxious for absolutely nothing, Lord God, but that we are walking closer to you, Lord God, that our faces turn towards you today so so that you can get the glory out of our marriages, so that you can get the glory out of our marriages. I thank you that our eyes are open, our ears can hear, Lord God, and that we are submitting ourselves to you today. No weapon formed against us shall prosper, no demon, no devil in hell shall come near our dwelling. We bind up the strong man back to the pits of hell from which it came, and we thank you, Lord God, that you are released releasing your glory in our house today and we receive it by by faith holy spirit come jesus give us your resurrecting power my god awake us out of our sleep and in and in regards to our relationship lord god take the scales off our eyes let us not be haughty let us not be prideful lord god let us not um deem ourselves to know be to know more than you let us take the word as the infallible truth it cannot fail us let jesus sit on the throne today let jesus sit on the throne today we thank you lord god there shall be no other god before you and so if we have made marriage or relationships an idol we tear down those idols today we tear down the strongholds today and we bind that spirit back to the pits of hell from which it came and we thank you lord god for victory today in Christ Jesus, thank you, 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 thank you. My God, I thank you, 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 Lord God. I bless you, I praise you, I magnify you. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You are my strength and you are my redeemer. We love you, Lord God. We love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy spirit we love you we love you we love you anchor us in your word today anchor us in your truth tear up the fallow ground burn up the chaff in us we thank you lord god we stay seated in your presence today all minds clear all hearts open in jesus name amen well good morning welcome to coffee and conversations with the keisha if you logged on and you heard music playing that was from td jake's love songs it's actually a really dope album um i had not listened to it in a long a long time and then lately god had been reminding me of the album um i heard it years ago was my husband and so we have been in this glory carrier series and what we've been doing is learning how we are light and how we are supposed to be light in the world. And we talked about being light with our children yesterday. And today we're going to talk 
about being light in our marriages, right? Um, even though I am widowed and single now, I do come with over 13 years of experience in marriage. Um, uh, my friends laugh and tell me all the time, you are saving marriages one text at a time. Um, I do not um, say that I am an authority on marriage, but I had a really strong and a good marriage, right? I had a really strong and a good marriage and whatever I was lacking, the Holy Spirit made up for. And, um, just since I've been single, since I've been widowed, God has just been growing me in grace so that I could grow up uh, a little bit more so that when I get married again, and I will get married again, that I am prepared. He is preparing me for my mate. Um, because sometimes we carry things with us beyond generations and years. And when we carry things between beyond generations and years, um, we'll think the problem in us is in our marriage when the problem is really our deep seated belief systems It's what was demonstrated to us about marriages, what was shown us about marriage. And so let me tell you this, when pressure comes, right? When the enemy attacks, when pressure comes, when we're under persecution, when all these things are happening, right? It is usually a good way to demonstrate what's inside of us, how strong we really are in Christ Jesus. And so um, it's funny because in my church this weekend, my pastors are doing a marriage clinic. And so today we're going to talk about how to carry the glory in our marriage and how significant it is for us to carry the glory in our marriage and how, how we should grow and what the glory looks like revealed in our marriage. And we've been basing this study on this part, the glory carry series. I guess it's become a series. We've been basing this on Ephesians five, right? Um, God has awakened us to the dead places. God has awakened us to places in our life in which, um, we may not be as solid as we need to write um, things in which our eyes have not been open to the understanding of who God called us to be in every relationship. And because most of us are taught relationships through other people, I'm just going to be honest. We have bad, we have a bad perspective of what those relationships look like. We've been taught to Lord over our children. We do not have balance in everything we need. Right. And so the day today, remember we, we got revelation the other day. I felt the Holy spirit come in when the Lord started talking to us about, we were redeeming the time and because of our repentance and because of us following the instructions, we were going to reclaim our time, time that was lost. Things that seemed like they weren't working. Those things we were redeeming the time we were going to reclaim the time. Hold on. Let me, I anoint my vocal cords this morning morning. I thank you, Lord God, for healthy vocal cords, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. I am able to deliver clear and clean in Jesus name. And so we started reading, reading in Ephesians and we'll start, we was walking in the light. It was Ephesians 5, 13, 14, right? And we talked about the light's presence and it says, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from dead, and Christ will give you light, right? And so we were, we've been awakened from sleep. We were awakened to understand that we are to carry the glory with us. Like in our mountains of influences, um, yesterday we learned about carrying the glory with our children. Today, we're going to learn how to carry the glory in our marriage. And I'm going to give you some practical advice. I'm going to give you some things from the, some things that I've read, some things that I trust to 
be true. Some things that the Holy Spirit has said to me true. So remember, we learned we can speak when we sleep. We can hear when we sleep. We can be sleep and think that we're awakened, but we're really sleep. And we really got some dry and some dead places. So the Lord has been waking us in the word so that we can learn how to be glory carriers. And when we say that we're walking in the light, what it means we're walking in wisdom. When we say we carry the glory of the Lord, we're saying that we carry something that is very, um, that is holy, right? And so this is the thing we need to understand. Marriage is ministry, raising kids is ministry, family is ministry. All of it is spiritual. Um, God set marriage in this earth. God gave us families. God gave us the ability to produce seed. But if the enemy can destroy anything that God deemed to be holy, he will, right? So then we learned Ephesians 5, 15 and 17, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the Lord, what the will of the Lord is. And so we talked about what the will of the Lord looks like at work, how we carry the glory at work. What does that look like in our workspaces? How are we supposed to be the, carrying the glory? Are we being light? We also learned, right, that we are to be salt and light of the earth. Matthew 5, 13 and 16 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses the saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Um, I, I also gave you a witness yesterday when God said you shall love your neighbor out beside yourself. Your neighbor is anybody outside your body. <laughs> That's who your neighbor is. Your neighbor is anybody that's outside your body. So anybody outside your body is your neighbor, right? And so we learned that we need to love our neighbors at work and what that looks like. We learned yesterday about loving our kids. And I hope you took notes because if you've been poor in parenting, I don't mean poor, like you just didn't know how to parent. You've been ignorant in parenting or you didn't understand all of your responsibility as parents, the God kind of way, not the way that this world has taught, taught us. I hope you go back and listen to the video. Yes. Tomorrow, yesterday about how to carry the glory with your children, how important it is because what you're setting them up for, right. is for them to be able to walk into purpose for them to be able to walk in season. Now these we're nibbling on these topics. I could go on and on for weeks. Um, these are classes that I could teach for long periods of time. Um, these are things that you chew, you bite into, you chew, right? And so um, even though I'm giving you these things, I don't want you to think you've learned this all at once. That is our a fallacy of ours. We get a little revelation in the word and then we treat it as if we ready to go. And it's like, no, if it was just an issue for you, first the, the strongholds have to be torn down. And then after the strongholds are torn down, then you have to be built back up and you don't get built back up at overnight. Nobody wants a house that's built overnight. But most of us to get a little bit, we like, oh, I'm good now. No, you're not good. And that is how the enemy sets you up. When you've been broken, it doesn't look all instantaneous like that. And I promise the enemy is going to come and try and test you to see if you know if you really got it. And he's going to put some pressure on you you ain't felt before. 
He going to put some pressure on you. You have not felt before. It's going to look different, but we get foolish and we start moving and we think we got a little revelation and we like, oh, okay, I can go do this now. And God is like, you aren't ready. First you need to heal and healing takes time. We also learned that we're, that the counselor is teaching us this. We're in therapy, right? We're in spiritual therapy. John 14, 26, come on, Holy Ghost, go on and pull this together. 26 and 28, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. So he left the Holy Spirit for us as counselor. And so right now we're walking in the counsel of the Holy Spirit of how we should carry the glory at work. Ooh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. 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 And then yesterday, how we should carry the glory with our children. And today we're going to learn how to carry the glory with our marriage. Now I want you, um, all of you who are married, take notes. All of you who are single, take notes. You getting ready to have a level up, right? You getting ready to have a level up just because you single don't mean you don't, don't need to be taking in information as if you're married. Right. And so second Corinthians three sixteen, right? It says, whenever the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Then with an unveiled face, beholding a mirror, the glory of the Lord is being transformed. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So this is the thing that I know without a doubt with most of, most of us where marriage is concerned. Once we get married, and I told you, Paul said in the scripture, somebody can find that and drop that scripture that it's better for us to be single. But if we cannot, if we're going to burn, go ahead and get married. But Paul knew that once we became married, that there would be some very interesting things that we would have to deal with in marriage. And so I, I, we're going to tear down strongholds today and we're going to see what the glory of God looks like in marriage, right? God ordained marriage in Genesis two eighteen, He establishes the fact I, I, it is not good for man to be alone. He establishes the fact. So all of y'all who I don't need nobody, y'all, you bitter. I'm just going, and you hurt. And if you're good in your singleness, that's, that's fine. But the fact that, that the, you make the statement to think that you don't need nobody, you hurt, you're hurt unless God has called you to singleness. And if God has called you to singleness, that's good. That's good. But when God has called you to singleness, it looks holy. It looks holy. It looks holy. When God has called you to singleness, it looks very holy. It looks very different. You're happy to be single and you have a message to carry other people that God has called into singleness. And so we need to make sure that God has established the fact and said to us, I did not mean for you to be alone, but what has happened and ladies, if you're not enrolled in the singles course, um, tomorrow is the last day for you to get enrolled in the singles course. You need to get enrolled in the singles course. And so what God, what God is, what God is saying, what, what God is saying here is in a marriage type situation, your face has to always be turned towards me. This is why for those of you that is single, that it's important for you to get established in your relationship with God that so that your face is turned toward him so that when you get married, your wife or your husband will not become an idol. 
Your wife or, or your husband will not become an idol. You won't idolize the marriage. You won't put the marriage before God. And so you've got to get built up. You've got to get built up in your singleness so that you can walk into the fullness of who you were called to be in Christ Jesus, right? And when you do that, it will look different. You will be strengthened because the thing is your face has to be turned to the Lord. When your face is turned to the Lord, you move, navigate, and operate in your marriage at a different capacity. You, you operate at a different capacity. You operate in a different place. You operate in a different level. And most of us were not built up properly before we got married. I'm just going to be honest. Most of us were not. Most of us didn't have good examples because the divorce rate, I think, is at 46, 47, 48 percent. Most of us were not built up properly before we got married. We were not, right? Uh, most of us, no one was really talking to us about the intimate details of marriage. No one was talking to us about his needs and her needs. And no one was teaching us how to balance out this marriage thing. And then for those of us that got holy, we really didn't understand how to meet the needs in marriage, right? We were praying and we were loving the Lord, but we weren't doing the practical thing. We weren't seeking God's wisdom. So God has already established the fact, right? God has already established the fact of the scripture says this. He says, but when he gets to Ephesians and he starts telling us what a godly marriage or what some of the things are of godly marriages, he's like, look, husbands, I need you to love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's foundational. And we know that Christ loved the church. Um, he died for the church. Um, he covered the church. He loved the church. He provided, he protected the church. That's what he's saying. He was like, I need you to love. And then he said, wives, I need you to submit to your husband. But he also says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, right? So that we were to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It wasn't for the husband to lord over the wife. But we have to be careful because when the curse came in Genesis, um, he said to Eve, he said, you're going to desire your husband over me. That's what he told her. He, that's part of the curse. You're going to desire your husband over me. And then you're going to want to lord over him. And then he's going to lord over you. So most of what we're seeing in marriages had already been predicted with the fall of man, right? We're seeing predictions. We're seeing what's happening in the last days. We know second Timothy tells us, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with these such people. That's what he said. Have nothing to do with these such people. Here's the other part of this. He said, they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come into the knowledge of truth, right? But just as Genesis and James opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected, but they will not get very far because as in the case for their men, their folly will be clear to everyone. And so this has already been talked to us about in the last days, right? This is what we've been dealing with in the last days. And since this is what we've been dealing with in the last days, we've got to counteract it with what the truth says, with what the word says, 
what the, what the word was is saying to us. And so today I'm going to share something with you. I just gave you the foundation. I gave you the scripture. I need you to take second Corinthians three 16 and chew on that. I need it to become like medicine for your marriage. I need you to understand that your face has to be to th through the Lord so that the veil can come off your eyes because when we get into a marriage type of situation and we are in close quarters, for some reason we forget we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And if most of us have thought that our spouses were supposed to meet absolutely every need in our life, it, it, and, and then when that person disappoints us, because most of the time our spouses are only giving us what they can give us. They can only give us what we need, right? What they have inside of them. And if they haven't been coached correctly towards marriage or they haven't had a godly understanding of what marriage looks like, then it's perverse in its operations within our marriage. It, it'll become perverse. Most of us go in with tainted perspective of marriages and God is not the center. God is not the center. God is not the center of the marriage. And even if we made the mistake, because somebody's going to ask me, so does that mean I can go get a divorce? I can't advise you in divorce. But what I can tell you is that God is for marriage and that if you honor co covenant, there is no problem that God can't work out. You just got to make up your mind and decide, do I really want this marriage? So 2 Corinthians 3.16 is the foundation when we teach today. If my face is towards the Lord, then it is not difficult or hard for me to meet the needs of my spouse. It is not. It is not if my face is towards the Lord. If everything that I do, I'm doing unto God. If I have made a decision that my marriage is going to be about God and not about me. Right. If I made a d decision that my marriage is going to be about God and not about me, I'm not going to make my marriage about me. I'm going to make my marriage about God. But most of us make our marriage about us and that we do. We do. We make it about us. It's all about us. We've never sought God to ask him how to get the glory out of our marriage. We've never positioned God to be number one in the marriage. We've always allowed our emotions and our feelings. And um, so when we operate in emotions and feelings, this is what emotions and feelings does. Emotions and feelings gratify the flesh. Anytime we operate according to the flesh, then um, God can't. But I love the resurrecting power of Jesus. Ooh. I love the resurrecting power of Jesus because the resurrecting power of Jesus can take a dead thing and bring it back to life. He can. He can take a dead thing and bring it back to life. We just need a, a willing vessel. And so a lot of us have strongholds. We have um, demonic principalities operating in our marriage. Um, most of us have not submitted our marriages to God. We've not even really asked God to be involved. We keep trying to handle the marriage in the flesh and handling the marriage in the flesh is killing our marriage even more because when we know we're when we handle it in the flesh we're asleep we're handling it according to our information what we thought is right right and we're not even going to the word to see and say what does the word say about this circumstance and situation that's happening in my life right now like what is the word saying what is the word saying about this um and because pressure arises and pressure becomes difficult it's easier for us to exit 
or to find an outlet or to be gratified in something else, regardless of working on the things that we need to work on. Marriage is very internal. There should not be a lot of external factors involved in our marriage. There shouldn't. There shouldn't be a lot of people involved in your marriage. There shouldn't be a lot of people involved in your household. When he said leave and cleave, he meant it. He meant for you to leave and cleave. He meant for you to become eternal. As a matter of fact, I really feel like couples the first two years should just be engrossed in each other, limiting themselves from outside activities so that they can mesh right? And if you are a blended family and you have kids, this is a little bit different, but there needs to be a holy foundation in that marriage that seals up all the cracks. And you can do a little bit of this during the dating process, but it's hard. It doesn't, the foundation doesn't really be, isn't really established if you're doing it holy until you cut covenant, marital covenant, covenant at the marriage bed. When you can't cut marital covenant at the marriage bed, it looks different. It looks different. So once that covenant is cut at the marriage bed after you're married that's one of the ties that bind marriage it's not the ceremony i'm gonna help y'all today it's not the ceremony that um signifies your marriage it's when you cut covenant in the marriage bed that signifies your marriage so and so so some of y'all just that you've been, you didn't slept outside of marriage. You need some divorces. You need some spiritual divorces. You need to break some soul ties. So it's at the point. It's not, people think it's about the ceremony. That's why I tell people don't spend a whole lot of time on the ceremony. Don't, don't spend a whole lot of time on the ceremony. It's not, it's when you cut covenant at the marriage bed that the marriage occurs. That's when God recognizes that the marriage has occurred, right? And so once we cut covenant, we need time to mesh. We need time to grow together. We need time to seek the Lord. We need time to make sure we're bonding. I re you really don't need a whole lot of external things and, and thing that was created to be internal between you and God. So I'm going to give you some things from a book that I read and I want you to meditate on this. And and when the Holy Spirit, I didn't read all of this book, but when the, but I, so I have some, but I have the key points and I sat under a teaching at church. And so when I was studying this yesterday, I have to make sure I'm exacting in my words. I never want to be a liar. When I was studying some of this, they taught this at church. So I haven't read, I didn't read all of this, but I studied this part for us to glean from today. And this book is, um, his needs and her needs. And this is building an affair proof marriage, right? Building a, an affair proof marriage. And this is by Harley H A R L E Y. And there are plenty of resources out here for marriage, but this was the one that the Holy spirit told me to tap into today. And so I want you to get a pen. We're going to talk about some needs of the man and we're going to talk about some needs of the woman, right? And I need you to understand that these are needs. These are not wants. These are not wants. These are needs. These are things that they found. But I also need you to know that this changes depending on the person. There are all kinds of an external and cultural factors that could impact the needs of this, the, the needs, you getting your needs met, you meeting another person's needs, right? And so I'm going to give you this today so that you can kind of chew on this. And then I'm just going to admonish you to get the book. So let's talk about his needs and her needs. And let's just talk about what a husband can do to make himself. This is how we're going to carry the glory in our marriage. What a husband can do to make sure he's meeting the five basic marital needs. One, he meet, he needs to meet our needs for affection. 
Women are affectionate, even if they um, don't demonstrate they are affection. If you meet a woman that is not affection, something probably happened to her in her life to, um, to cause her to not be affectionate. We as women were created to be soft, tender, compassionate, caring, empathetic, all of those things. When we are not, it is hardness in our heart and it has happened. Something has happened to us that made us that way. We were not create. God didn't create us the other, any other way. He did not create us any other way. So when you as a woman are hardened and you are rough and you don't allow yourself to be emotional, um, something is going on with you. I used to be that way. That is not your norm. That is not normal. That is not healthy. And so his, he, he, his, he needs to meet our needs through affection. You've got to be affection. You got to be soft. You got to touch. Um, you got to have a flow of words for her. You cannot use just little basic words. You got to have a flow of words for her. You got to find out if she likes gifts. You got to find out if she likes her back caress. You've got to become in tune to her. Two, a woman needs intimate conversation, right? And this is hard because we as women a lot of times talk, right? And men are not big talkers. But if we're talking about making, carrying the glory in our marriage, you're going to have to listen to our conversations and not just listen to our conversations. You're going to have to be involved in our conversations. You're going to have to be sensitive to our conversations. When women conversate, we desire to be understood, <laughs> When women come, that's what we desire. We're looking for to be understood. We want to be understood. And so you're going to have to do that. You're also going to have to be honest and open with her and tell her what you really, really think, right? And, and that's twofold. Um, you got to be able to receive what he thinks. You're going to have to be able to tell her what he really thinks. You're going to have to explain your actions clearly. It is not enough for a man to say to a woman, um, I'm going to work. You know, we like details. And so you got to be in a position to be able to give her details. If you're going to carry the glory in your marriage, if you really want your marriage to work, if you want a marriage that God can get the glory in, then I don't care what image or what thing man has told you, you got to do it. So these are real needs. So you're going to have to be honest and open. You're going to have to be accountable to her. You got to be accountable. Now, when you're dealing with women with self-esteem issues and insecurity issues, that's a whole different thing. And I'm getting ready to give women something in just a second to help them because we will articulate our needs all of the time, not understanding we're not even operating in what he needs. And we don't even really know what he needs, right? Also, he needs, he meets, he meets her needs for financial support, right? The man is supposed to firmly shoulder the responsibility for the house, feed and clothe his family. If his income is insufficient to support his wife adequately, like sometimes you're in positions. My husband was called into ministry and social service, right? My, my husband was called into ministry and social service. So we created a system in our house and, um, can I say this Holy Spirit? Yes. I made way more money than my husband did, but we never treated the household as if it was my money and his money. We treated the household as if our money and my teaching was just a vehicle for income, right? But I positioned my husband and when the money came in until he got sick, he still managed things in the household so that he could feel 
um, he wouldn't feel sorry for himself. So if a man cannot sustain or meet the need of financial support, then he looks for ways to increase his earning. You might have to go back to school. You might have to really seek the Lord's face, but he does need to financially support his family. He does need to be in position. Now, here's something for you women that I need you to understand. If your husband is trying to get in position in your house and you Lord over him, this, are you, um, you separate yourself from him or you boss up to him or you treat him less than it's going to be a problem in your house. When I'm giving you these needs today, I'm not giving you these so that you can go tell your husband this. You, that's not what this is for. You do not need to go tell him you need to do this, 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 this. You need to position yourself in prayer. The only way you're going to change a person is through prayer. You are not to go and point these things out. You are not to go say, LMJ said you are to give me this. That is foolish. That's a foolish woman. That's a foolish woman. So... Now, so, so instead of lowering the standard of living, right, he's going to raise, raise their marriage and try to fulfill the needs, right? So try to fulfill. The next thing is he needs to meet her needs for family committing commitment by putting his family first, by putting his family first, right? He needs to meet the, the, the needs by committing and putting his family first. He cannot be so engaged in external things that his family doesn't feel important. He needs to be engaged with the kids. He needs to be involved. Um, he does not need to play the fool's game of working long hours, trying to get ahead while people in his household are neglected. That is not going to be healthy for his household. So he has to understand those things. And so that's just a quick list. That's what it looks like to be an irresistible man, right? Can we back that up? He's going to be affectionate. He's going to give our intimate conversation. He's going to be honest, open, and accountable. He's going to financially support his household. If you are a man and you're not in position to financially support your household, ask God for creative ways for you to financially support your household. But as a woman, you're not going to put the burden and the pressure and the stress on him. You're not getting ready to pressure him with this. You're not going to do this. I never pressured my husband about our finances because finances were the one thing that we made a decision that we would absolutely not argue over. And the other thing that I understand is that my God provides for me. My husband is just a vehicle. My husband is just a vehicle. My husband is just a vehicle. So he's going to, he's going to make sure he financially supports, but he's also going to commit to his family. He's going to spend time with his family. He's going to spend time with his wife. So that's where it is for the man. Now, these are the things for the women because women, we are really good at articulating our needs, right? We're really, I ain't doing this for me, but what we have failed in many areas. And I've seen it. I, I've seen many marriages where women think they good and they not, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not good. They're not operating in this. They're not, they're not fulfilling their need. They're not, they're not, they're not carrying the glory in their marriage. They're better at carrying the glory to their girlfriends than they are carrying the glory in their marriage. And if you are in a situation where either of your spouse are out of order, this is not permission for you to get out of order. It's not, it's not permission for you to get out of order. If the spouse is out of order, let the Lord redeem the time, but you stay in position. Because if you stay in position, then you give the devil no foothold to get in. But usually what happens is we get tit for tat. 
We get tit for tat. Well, they ain't doing what they supposed to do, so I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do. Well, this is pulling too much out of me. The Lord is looking at you. The Lord is looking whether or not you are carrying the glory. The Lord is looking at whether or not you are doing the right thing. He's going to hold them accountable. But what we try to do is we take on vengeance and we try to hold them accountable. You can't hold nobody else accountable. You're not. The only thing you can do is work on being the very best version of yourself. That's it. And if you're in position then, and you're in a position in prayer, then what the Lord will begin to do is he will begin to deal with it. It's, it's not going to, it's no quarrelsome wife. I got scripture to back this up. It's not going to work. So here is how a wife makes her self um, irresistible, right? Number one, she meets his needs for sexual fulfillment by becoming an excellent sexual partner to him. You need to study his responses. You need to understand what brings out the best in him. You need to communicate sexually. You need to talk about what's allowed, what's not allowed. You need to talk about what you like that y'all need to have that conversation. You need to have an understanding. A man has sexual needs. A man has sexual needs, right? You need to communicate this information to your husband. You need to learn how to have a sexual relationship that's satisfying and enjoying. You cannot withhold sex from your husband as punishment. You cannot assume that you're giving him what he needs. Now, if he's got something sexual going on with him that's perverse, that's different. You guys might need to see, seek a counselor, but he's going to need sex. And if you don't like sex, you need to figure it out. You need to figure, you need to figure out, you need to understand that this is for the grown and sexy. I'm just sorry. It's a reality. It's a need. He was created that way. Men are also visually stimulated. You need to ask your husband about your visual stimulation. You need to ask him that. You need to ask him, do you like long hair? Do you like short hair? Do you care about my hair at all? You need to ask him that. That's what a life looks like submitted. And if his heart is after God, he may not care, right? But if his heart is really after God, he's going to tell you, baby, I like your hair long. And if he tells you, I like your hair long, don't take it offensive. He likes your hair long. It doesn't mean he doesn't like you. He's saying to you, I like your hair long, but you have got to have a successful sexual fulfillment. You got to have that conversation. Y'all got to talk about sex, especially when you're doing it right. And you don't have sex before marriage. There's going to have to become a conversation about sex. Sex is not the cake. It's just the icing. Ebony said, take that bonnet off. Come on now. You got to ask questions, right? You can't go to bed in a t-shirt and shorts, and he may not like something a little feminine. You need to know what he likes. He may just like t-shirts. You got to ask questions. All men are different. Like all men different. But sex is a basic need for a man. It's a basic need. That's the first thing. Second, you need to meet his need for recreational companionship. And what I mean by that, you need to develop mutual interests in your husband. You need to discover the activities that he enjoys. You need to learn to enjoy them with him. Now, if you don't want to hunt, if your husband is a hunter and you don't want to hunt and you don't want to deal with hunting, then you can't be no hater. <laughs> you can't be, you can't be no hater. Xavier, if you're not married, you should be longer than a year. <laughs> you should be longer than a year. You should not be having sex at all. If you're not married, this is for when you're married. Um, you, you need to, you need to find out what he likes. If he likes 
sports, you need to get into it. You need to find out his favorite team. You need to study the game. You need to figure out what game he likes. You need to get interested in what he interested in. See, the glory seals up the cracks. The glory will seal up the cracks. This is what we're doing. We're affair proofing our relationship. We're sealing up the cracks. The glory seals up the cracks. So we're putting ourselves in a position where we're sealing up the cracks. So you have to have, you have to be his constant recreational companion. You're going to have to go to some football games if he likes it. You might have to go, but you need to know what he likes, right? If he's into pool, you need to know what he likes. And you need to study it. You need to know it intimately. Nobody should know more about your husband than you. No, nobody should know more about your husband than you. Nobody should. You should be, ta you should know his favorites. You should know his likes and it's vice versa. One, she meets the need, his needs for attractiveness. She keeps herself physically attractive. She wears hair, makeup, clothes, whatever he likes. If he don't like makeup, then y'all need to negotiate with that. If he likes makeup, then you need to figure that out, right? But you need to ask him, what is it? He likes, right? Next, she meets his needs for domestic support by creating a home that offers him an atmosphere of peace and quiet. She manages the home and care of the children. This gives him the opportunity to be what he needs to be in the house. I said to you guys the other day, we as women are managers of your home. You cannot have a house that is not conducive for your spouse. Your house should not be dirty. Your house should not be dirty. You should not, your house should be clean. You should be cooking. If you don't know how to cook, figure out, or you should have meals prepared. God set this order for the house. This isn't something that's being made up. We talking about godly order, but if you and your spouse have come to a mutual agreement, perhaps he may cook better, right? And you and your house have come to a, a, a spouse have a different agreement. The agreement needs to be there for the needs. What does he need? He may say, baby, you ain't got to cook. Y'all might not have no kids. Y'all might pick up food every day, but y'all need to have those conversations with her, but you need to be meeting the needs of your house. Your house should be clean. Your bathroom should be clean. You are to manage your home accordingly. Go study the Proverbs 31 woman and ask God to give you a heart for your house. If everything else is attended to outside, but you neglecting your house, you're setting your house up for failure, right? So and you need to meet that need. And I know some, buy, yeah, buy a cookbook. Some of y'all are like, well, I'm so busy outside. I don't have time to take care of my house. If that is your truth, you are out of order. If that is your truth, you are out of order. You should not have dirty clothes laying on on the floor. The kids' room should not be nasty. I, the, your kids don't have a room. You have a room. They borrow a room. Your kids' room should not be nasty. It is When you teach your kids that they can have a nasty room, you're saying to them, being clean is an important, and God expects us to steward over everything. So you got to manage your house. You got to be involved in educational and recreational activities with your kids. Can I tell you what the assignment of the enemy is? has been the assignment of the enemy has been to have you so busy outside your house that you will not attend to your house i'm just telling you the assignment of the enemy has been had you he wants you so busy outside that's why i'm for entrepreneurship in women that's why I'm for it. That's why I think if you got an entrepreneur, I want every woman on this earth to be the entrepreneur. That's why I'm for entrepreneurship in women, because I want you to be able to tend to your household because I know it's important for your husband. I know it's important for your kids. Women who are invested in their kids' life and home bring, bring children more into a safe place. And then that last, 
She meets his needs for admiration and respect by understanding his value and achievements more than anyone else. Nobody should be celebrating your husband more than you. Nobody. I, 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 nobody, I don't care what it is. I don't care what you think he's doing wrong. Nobody should be celebrating him more than you. You need to be celebrating his accomplishment. You need to be reminding him of his capabilities. Now, let me tell you something. One time we had an alternator go out in our van, right? And we didn't have a lot of money. And we, our alternator, it went out and I was sitting on the porch and my husband and I were sitting and we were talking and he looked at me. He said, well, I got enough money to get the alternator, but I don't have enough money to uh, get the alternator put on. And I said, baby, you can put that alternator on. And he looked at me. He said, well, I said, you can put the alternator on. All you got to do is go look at a video. I trust you to be able to put this alternator on. I believe in you, right? I believe in you. I believe in you. You can put this alternator on and I just started talking to him do you know what happened he put that alternator on he put that alternator on he called his he called his his one of his friends he said will you help me put this alternator on when he got back in the house he looked at me and he said to me he said you'll have me building a whole house before it's over you think that I can do absolutely anything and that was that was what the Lord showed me. You better build this self-confidence up. Nobody else needs to build this self-confidence up. So you are proud of your husband and not out of duty, but as an admiration and respect for the man that God has chosen for you. You have an admiration and respect for the man that God has chosen for you. Can't nobody esteem my man more than me. I don't believe in it. I'm the same way with my sons. I build them up. I build them up. I'm preparing them. I build them up. I tell them how great they are, how amazing they are, how handsome they are, because this is the thing you need to know. If you don't tell them, the world will tell them and the world will tell them in a very perverse way. The world will tell them in a very perverse way and the enemy will get in to try to tear down. His, I, yes, Ebony, I'm going to speak to the king in mine. I'm going to speak to the king in my son. I'm just telling you. And I wasn't always like this. The Holy Spirit began to show me how to be a godly wife, how to be a godly wife. How does, even if your kids are all grown up, text them, tell them you're proud of them. Tell them how important they are. Tell them how loving, great and kind you are. Do these things. That's the wife's playbook, right? That's how you're going to make. So let me give you this real quick. Let me give you a few more things and we're going to close out. This is what you need to know. Women, men, women do not like men who lack self-esteem. Women do not like men who are lazy. Women do not like men who lack sense of humor. Women do not like men who lack goals, right? We do not like men who lack tenderness. We don't want negativity. We don't want self-centeredness. We don't want extreme jealousy. We don't want insecurity. We don't want smothering dependence. We're not asking you to smother us. We do not want self-pity. We don't want lack of trust. And we don't want to deal with anybody who um, doesn't have ambition. What we are looking for is confidence, a sense of humor, intelligence, self-worth, goals, imagination, independence, desire, courage, decisiveness, integrity, 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 dignity, and spiritual leadership. Here's what I'm getting ready to tell you. Your husband is supposed to be the spiritual leader of your home. 
The husband is supposed to be the spiritual leader over your home. You are not to be the spiritual leader. I'm called in the ministry. I may marry somebody that's not called in the ministry, not at that capacity. His ministry may be in the marketplace. That doesn't mean LMJ lords over her house. Now, what if he's not in spiritual place? Then you get behind the scenes and you pray. <laughs> you get behind the scenes. You keep going to church, right? You keep doing what you're supposed to do, but you get in a position and you pray. And if your heart is towards the Lord, if your face is toward the Lord, remember I gave you that scripture. If the, your face is towards the Lord, you will win him over by your consistency. I'm, I'm going to give you some tea. To, I'm going to give you some business today, baby. You will win him over by your consistency. Men are looking to see if you are inconsistent. They are looking to see if you are outside saying, Lord, Lord, um, praising God, serving, talking about how good is God is. And whether or not when you're at home, you act the same way you're outside. Men are looking for your consistency. But the man is to be the spiritual leader in your house, right? He is to be the spiritual leader in your house. You are not supposed to lead your house spiritual. Your husband is looking for you to be consistent. And at the moment that you become inc inconsistent, what he's going to say is you can't tell me nothing. You live a lie. You're a hypocrite. So you need to be consistent in your walk. Your face got to be towards the Lord. That's why your face can't be towards him. When your face is towards him, you'll act like, let me give you this, this part for your, for, for us as well. For women, your husband is a man. He is a man. Do not try to make him less than a man. Not all men are outdoor types, right? But he is a man. And what all men desire is for their spouse to see them as a man. <laughs> man, man, he is a man. You are not his mama. <laughs> You're not his mama. You're not his mama. He don't want you to talk to him like his mama. He don't want you to act like his mama. He don't want you to treat him like his mama. He don't want you to fuss at him. He don't. That's why Proverbs says it is worse than anything to be in the, you better be on a roof than be in a house with a quarreling wife. He wants you to see him as a man. God made us as male and female. We are different. He is a man. He doesn't want you to look at him anything less or treat him less than a man. When we treat them as less than a man, we, we, we damage them. Next, you need to know he really wants to please you as a wife. But if you're not noticing the small things that he's doing, if you're not paying attention when he fills your gas up in your car, if you're comparing your house to somebody else's house, if if, if you think, um, he's not doing enough because you in your own selfish or dire men really want to please their life. So when they do little things like fix a doorknob or clean out the gutters or pick your car up and put gas or slide you some money and say, baby, go to lunch with your friends. They're looking for you to praise them and build them up. I don't care how small it is. They're look, yo, a husband that loves the Lord really wants to please you. He is not looking to dog you out. I'm talking about a husband. You got to pay attention to what he's doing, right? Next, do not go over his head by calling anybody else in to help. That is a slap in the face. If you need something done in your house, if you need some money, do not call your parents to get money and you have not consulted your husband. Can I be transparent for a minute? Can I be transparent? I needed some clothes, right? And my mother has always just been real great about buying me clothes. Um, and I remember, I remember 
um, she had took me shopping and bought me some clothes. And I came home that day and I was just discussing something with my husband. And he said this to me. He said, I, I, I have enough faith in me to take care of you. He said, I got enough faith in me to take care of you. I got enough faith in me to take care of you and give you what you need. I don't want anybody else providing for what I can provide for my household. This action will crush his spirit. If he's not getting it done as fast as you like, um, ask him again, ask him suddenly, but do not Lord over him. Do not, do not volunteer him for things without his approval. Do not discuss things in your marriage with other people without his approval. Do not do it right when he's messed up or broken something or done something wrong. You got to learn how to be quiet. You don't get to browbeat him, right? You don't get to browbeat him with the things that he's done wrong. Has he done wrong? Yes, but we're not going to beat him up about their egos. Can't take it right. Well, next do not nag. Don't nag. <laughs> do not nag. Do not nag. Do not nag. Do not nag. This is what I need you to understand about men. They will never tell you this, but I'm telling you, listen, men are very fragile. And even though they like to be tough and with all the, all the answers, most men operate under a whole lot of pressure. They, they operate under a whole lot of pressure. In their head is an idea of what a man should be. And if they have external pressures like their parents, their family, their friends, they've got in comparison, right? Then some other things will happen in them, right? And some other things will go on. And so they are under more pressure than you realize. And I know we are under pressure, but because we think they're tough exterior, because they don't share their emotions and feelings, we think they're not hurting and they're hurting. Men are under a whole lot of pressure. And in these days, society has put them even under more pressure. And if they are not spiritually where they need to be, then guess what? Right? They're not sharing that pressure with us. But if we don't create a safe place, I have a thought process that I always, even though Delilah wasn't right, she created a place for Samson to lay her head, his head in her lap. She created a place of transparency. She created a place of vulnerability. She created a place where Samson would come and lay his head in her lap. He, she would. When a man, because he knew she could, well, she was wrong, but he knew she could trust her. Her husband has to be able to trust. Your husband got to be able to trust in you, right? She got to be able to trust in you. You got to have a safe place. That's how, can I tell you something? That's how affairs get started. All men are not just having affairs or all women are not having affairs to have sex. The reason we're having affairs most of the time is because a need is not being met, right? And so if a need is not being met and I'm broken, the enemy is going to send, send in something so that I can get my need met somewhere else, right? And because I'm not putting myself in the position for God to get the glory, my faith, if your face is toward the Lord, he will tell you absolutely everything that I'm telling you about your marriage. He will tell you where your marriage is lacking. He will tell you what you need. He will grow you up so that God can get the glory out of your marriage. We are to be glory carriers in our marriage. If your marriage didn't start out that way, it's not too late for it to change it. Y'all might need to seek help. You might need to seek counseling, but you need to get the Lord involved in your marriage. It's a three-part union. <laughs> really? It's a three-part union. It's you, your mate, and God. And God has to be the head. He, he has to be the head. But you have to understand how we're created so different, right? We separate but equal. We created 
together to do this thing and to complement each other. Now, this isn't inclusive. I'm not giving you something inclusive. You need to get to know your mate. I'm giving you some things that you can glean from and that you can eat off of. <laughs> you know, you, 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 that you can eat off of, but you need to meditate on this and chew on this and get the things that you need so that your marriage can be successful and keep your face to, towards the Lord. Father God, we just want to honor you today. <laughs> we want to honor to you in our marriages and our singleness. Father, forgive us for not being glory carriers in our relationship, Lord God, for not seeking the kingdom and not letting the kingdom be done and your will be done in our marriages. Lord God, open our eyes so that we can be strong and walk in what you called us to do. Do marriage through and for the glory of God. There is purpose to our marriage. Reveal to it us to it today. My God, I thank you for revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're not saved, I need to get you saved. <laughs> I need to get you saved. I need you to get, I need to, I need you to get saved. I need you to get saved. I need you. You don't have, you may not have another minute or an hour. Hey, somebody asked me if you could give to the ministry. We are 501c3. You can give to the ministry. It's available on the website, most definitely. We have so many different projects going on. I love y'all so much. I love you, <laughs> but more than anything else, God loves you. God like loves you really, really big. And he wants your marriage whole and he wants you to be whole in your singleness. So chew on this, digest this, host a watch party, give this to your friends, share this video everywhere. Strong marriages produce strong communities. If the enemy can break your marriage up, then guess what? Our communities are not as strong as they need to be. I love you so much. Yeah. And ask the Lord to help you to get what you need out of your singleness. Focus on God. See what I gave you today. If you're single, you'll understand you still need to get ready and you ain't ready to get married. You'll, you'll say to yourself, you know what? I got some stuff to work on. I'm not ready to get married, right? Yeah, it's kingdom, baby. It's straight kingdom. It's straight kingdom. We're going to talk about how to be, how the glory is carried through our friendships tomorrow, right? We're going to talk about the glory, how the glory is carried. I love y'all so much, but more than anything, God loves you. He loves you. He is so intentional with you that he gave you this today so that you can walk in the fullness of who God called you to be. Do me a favor. Go be loved today, right? Go be loved today. Go be loved today, but be loved in your house. Be loved in your marriage. Chew on this so that God can open your eyes and you can become what you need to be and stop focusing on the other person. You're not wrestling against, you're, you're wrestling, you're wrestling against flesh and blood. I mean, principalities, not the flesh and blood, not the flesh and blood. There's a lot for you to do. There's a lot for you to do. There's a lot for you to do. I love you so much. I'll see you back here in the morning at 5 a.m. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you would like more information about LMJ Ministries, log on to LakeishaMJohnson.com today.